Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Friends, Romans, and sports fans, lend me your ears. Today, the 37-16 and 16 Clippers take on the 33-21 and 21 Philadelphia 76ers on national television in Philadelphia's Wells Fargo Center. The 76ers are an astounding 24-2 and two at home this year after defeating the Chicago Bulls on Sunday 118-111. That was Philadelphia's 119th straight sellout crowd. Watch out for bench player Furkan Korkmaz. In his last two games, he has been the high scorer for Philadelphia, putting in his career high of 34 against Memphis on Friday and following it up with 31 on Sunday versus the Bulls. This will be the first time between the Clips and Philadelphia this year, with the next one coming Sunday. March 1st in downtown L.A. Overall, L.A. has dropped their last four against Philadelphia, including the last three that have taken place in the city of brotherly love. There might be some history, however, if the game turns into a blowout. The largest margin of victory for the Clippers on the road against Philadelphia happened way back on February 13, 1974 when they were the Buffalo Braves, and when they beat Philly by 23, 129-106. The largest margin of defeat for the Clippers in Philadelphia is 31, when they were crushed 149-118 to their last year in Buffalo, on March 29, 1978. Oh, hoo, hoo, yeah! This is the Catch My Eye podcast. Begins on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. We will always have mercy on your ears. All you who listen, profess yourselves enemies to all other joys which the most precious square of sense possesses, and find that this alone felicitates your dear highness's love. Amen. Okay, that was weird. That was very weird. And I'm speaking about, of course, what we've all been looking at as Dodger fans, the Mookie Betts trade, and as Angels fans too, because now they've backed out. It's now been two separate trades. But we will wait to discuss all that Dodger talk until Saturday. I just wanted to acknowledge that. Yes, I am keeping track of it, and we will discuss it on Saturday. Because we are in the offseason for Dodger baseball. Right now, we are in the midst of the basketball season. Two games left for the LA Clippers before the All-Star break. Two games against decent, good good teams. Western, er, sorry, Eastern Conference powers. The Philadelphia 76ers today 
And on Thursday, the game, the day before the All-Star break begins, the Boston Celtics. So I'll wait to discuss the Dodgers and the Angels and stuff like that until Saturday, right? When there's no basketball. And it's the boring old All-Star game where everybody barely plays. But now, it's time to talk Clippers basketball and the Philadelphia 76ers tonight's game on TNT. And we'll, before we go into that... And now I prithee, take off thy dunce cap, put on thy gown of wisdom. Because it is time for the quiz. Alright. Last quiz question from Saturday. It was about the NBA All-Star Game. Because in 1978, on February 5th, 1978, an L.A. Clipper, except he wasn't really an L.A. Clipper because he was a Buffalo Brave, he scored 27 points in 29 minutes to lead the East to a 133-125 win over the West in the NBA All-Star Game and was consequently named MVP of the 78 All-Star Game. And we gave you a choice. Excuse me right there. A. Randy Smith. B. Sven Nader. C. Kermit Washington. D. World Be Free. And E. Freeman Williams. Now, I would hope you do not guess World Be Free or Freeman Washington or Freeman Williams. A certain individual who shall remain unknown gave me some great father-son advice. He goes, hey, didn't World Be Free play for the San Diego Clippers. Yes, and that is exactly correct. He came in as Lloyd Free, left as World Be Free. <laughs> but, yes, he did not play for the Buffalo Braves. He was, he came to the San Diego Clippers. He was there his first year in San Diego, or the first year in San Diego. And he was there for two years. Pretty good two years. Very good two years. But no, he was not on the team with the Buffalo Braves. Same thing with Kermit Washington. He was there, also there, the first year of the San Diego Clippers. He was only there for one year. And was awarded to Portland. Also, Freeman Williams. He was there for four years, from 78 to 79, the 78-79 season to the 81-82 season. He was also decent, averaging 16.4 points per game. But now they were all San Diego Clippers, which leaves Swen Nader and Randy Smith. As you, Those should have been your two choices. And as my dad also pointed out to me, yeah, I knew it couldn't have been Swin Nader because 
And he was from UCLA. And he was not very good. And I was like, whoa, good memory, good memory. Yes, Swen Nader was from UCLA, a graduate of 1973, 6'11", 240. He played for the Buffalo Braves, both the Buffalo Braves and the San Diego Clippers, the 77-78 season. First year there, the last year, the 82-83 season. And he was traded to the Lakers from the Clippers on October 10th, 1983. So he was there for six years. And it was actually decent for the LA Clippers. Averaged 13.4 points during those six years. Not, not, not bad at all. But... He also, that 78, 77, 78 year, he was, he led the team in rebounding with 13.2 rebounds per game. But no, he was not that all-star game MVP. That belonged to Randy Smith. Randy Smith was the, is your answer. Scored 27 points in 29 minutes. That year, he averaged 24.6 points per game for the 27 and 55 <laughs> Buffalo Braves, who were absolutely atrocious on the road at 734, 7 and 34, and just under 500, 20 and 21 at home in the beautiful Buffalo. But yes, Randy, Spello, Randy Smith was used to it. He was a graduate of Buffalo State. And he actually also played for both the Buffalo Braves and the San Diego Clippers, although he had two stints with them. He came out of Buffalo State in 71 and was drafted in the seventh round by the Braves, the Buffalo Braves, 104th overall. He played from 71 to 72 to that 78, uh, to the 78 79 season. So he's actually there for that first year in San Diego. And he got then awarded to Portland in 79. At the same time that Kermit Washington was awarded to Portland in 79, same day. And then he came back, though. He came back in the for the 82-83 season. And then was waived on March 15, 1983. After, so, he was not there for that second state very long. But he was pretty good. Pretty good for the Clippers. Nine years, average 17.8 points over that nine-year stretch. So there's your answer. Randy Smith, your 1978 All-Star Game MVP. Now, What's your new quiz question? We will not talk about. It will not be about the Clippers today. It will instead be about their opponents. The Philadelphia 76ers. Yes. But it will be about the All-Star game again, which is, as I said before, the All-Star break is coming up.
And so, here is your quiz question. But, no, 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 no. Multiple choice today. Because this person is a bit more well-known, I have a feeling, than Randy Smith. And it is somebody on Philadelphia who, on February 11th, 2001, that's the date today, well, it's not February 11, 2001 is not the date, but February 11, 2020 is the date today. But back in 2001, on February 11th, Philadelphia 76er made the Eastern Conference All-Stars. He scored 15 of his 25 points in the All-Star game in the fourth quarter, leading his team all the way back from a 19-point deficit after three quarters, that is, entering the fourth quarter. And the East All-Stars beat the West in the 50th NBA All-Star Game in Washington. The game was in Washington, D.C. It wasn't the 50th one in Washington, D.C. But the final score, 111 to 110, primarily because of that 15 of the game high. 20, game high 25 points for this player came in the fourth quarter. So who was this player? As I said, he's a bit more well-known than Randy Smith, I have a feeling, for basketball fans. So email the answer, please. Catch my podcast at gmail.com. By the way, I just want to say, th again, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Thank you so much for your comments. If you have any more comments about the show in general, about what I'm saying, please feel free, by all means, to... Email me at catchmyapodcast at gmail.com with your comments and thoughts. We greatly, I greatly appreciate that. As well as the answer to, yes, the quiz question. Who was that all-star who led the East to that come-from-behind victory in 2001 on February 11th? All right. We now move on. And what shall we talk about today? But... Philadelphia 76ers versus this Los Angeles Clippers matchup tonight in Philadelphia. And this, I believe, is a be a very good test for the LA Clippers. Again, hmm, unfortunately, <sighs> Patrick Beverly is once again out with that sore right groin in this game, which is a little disturbing. Because he has kind of been in and out. It's kind of bothered him throughout the year. He will be... So, so far this year, he's missed... A decent amount of games. 9, 10, 11, 12. He's missed 13 games so far. This will be his 14th game. For a number of reasons, including a sprain right wrist, a concussion, a sore left calf. But that right sore groin, this will be a seventh game he's missed overall. This, he's, he's been out like in the middle of December, in the middle to late January. And then all this, this thing that's cropped up right now. So it's kind of been throughout the year, which is kind of... This thing that's it's worrisome, because Patrick Beverly, even though he's not like you know your 
high score. He's not like these guys that can put it in the basket all the time. So far, they're only 7-6 and six without him. Which is kind of an amazing stat, considering he doesn't have... He has an impact on the box guard, but not that much of an impact. Not you wouldn't think it would. You wouldn't think it would be that much, just if you just looked at his stats. Seven and six is not that good, <laughs> especially for a team with such a good record, with a thirty-seven and sixteen record. It's. I think, personally, I think it's just his toughness that he brings. And the energy. And the hustle plays that he brings. That's and he gets them fired up. He makes sure that they don't come out flat like that. Horrible Minnesota loss. It was just, it was just an awful effort by the Clippers against a, talent-wise, way outclassed. Minnesota Timberwolves team with a bunch of new players, I might add. But that seven and six record is that just shows you, or it doesn't show you conclusively, but it indicates that Patrick Beverly is an extremely important part of this team. And I did not realize this about Marcus Morris, but Clippers. The listening to Lawrence Frank interview, uh, listening to Adam Osland. This Marcus Morris guy, I did not realize it. He is a uh, he's kind of one of those like tough guys, guys that'll always bring energy. He's like a Montrez Harrell or a Patrick Beverly. I didn't. I just thought he was, you know, another shooter. I did not realize, but that that will be extremely valuable if he if he you know if he's like a grinder. If he's gonna make those hustle plays. If he's gonna keep the team energized. Because if Patrick Beverly is going to continue to have this groin issue bothering him time and time again throughout the year, the Clippers are not going to be able to afford, at least in the playoffs. To have these lapses where they just like come out really, really, really flat, and hopefully Marcus Morris will be able to come in and get them energized. We'll see what happens, but that seems to be his mojo. Now, I have a feeling in the playoffs that Clippers are going to have maybe a little easier time becoming motivated and playing their best. You know they're plenty of times that the Golden State Warriors did not come out so hot in the regular season and they just kind of slept walk through games. Yeah, I think most of us will agree that the reason why they lost that championship last year was due to injuries. So it is a tad worrisome, but not super worrisome. You know, the Clippers um, were... I've heard some fans 
you know, mid lamenting that, hey, maybe this team doesn't have the toughness of last year's team. Last year, don't get me wrong, last year's team was very, very exciting. Very, very exciting. There was lots of comebacks. We had that the first round playoff game with the 33 point comeback against the uh, Golden State Warriors. Took into six games. It was it was very exciting. Clippers were never out of those games. But eh, you also got to remember at the All Star break. Or sorry, not at the All-Star break. When they made that big trade with the Philadelphia 76ers, sending away Tobias Harris, and mainly getting back Landry Shamit and a bunch of draft picks. Well, lest I forget, they also got back Mike Muscala, who they then flipped to the Lakers for Vitsa Zubats, because apparently the Lakers just wanted to get rid of Vitsa Zubats. I forgot, yes. But until that time, they were 30 and 25 before that trade happened. And if you want to count the Indiana game that happened, that they lost the next day after that trade, when they were shorthanded because of all those trades going on, they were 30 and 26. They were 14 and 6 in their first 20 games, 10 and 10 their next 20 games, and then 6 and 9. The last 15 games before that big Tobias Harris trade at, at around last year's trade deadline. That's how they got to that 30 wins and 25 losses. So up to this point in the year, which is you know we're basically right at the trade deadline, just past it. The LA Clippers were not like this tough team filled with I mean I guess they did have comebacks but there were quite a bit of games and they were not so hot they had some losing streaks you know, like four or five games in there they were only 30 and 25 when the whole team got shook up and then their last 27 games after the Tobias Harris trade, they go 18 and 11, which was very good. Much better than they would have happened before. But again, 18 and 11, right now the Clippers are 37 and 16. That's only five more losses in 55 games. Or sorry, 50. That's only five more losses in 53 games than they got in the 27 games after that Tobias Harris trade when they became so well-known where the Clippers fans so liked and loved them for all those spirited comebacks. So they were good after that trade, but they weren't, you know... They were tough, but... I, it's hard to say that this team is tougher is it is not as tough as last year's team because number one we're comparing apples to oranges because we'll have to see 
you have to compare last year's Clippers after the trade deadline to this year's Clippers after the trade deadline, and this year's Clippers after the trade deadline hasn't really occurred yet. We'll see if Marcus Morris adds that toughness, adds some more toughness, which we all believe he will. And but before that game, but before that, and before that trade deadline, the last year's Clippers were not really all that tough. Or if they were tough, it was not translating very well onto the win-loss column. Let's just put it that way. I mean, and really, the only guys that... Your only key contributors that really left last year's team, they, get, they, they were Danilo Gallinari and Shea Gilgis Alexander. And Danilo Gallinari... I admittedly I I did not follow him before he came to the LA Clippers really. I knew he had been constantly injured. He had been full of talent, but that had been cut short by injuries. And I, I somehow I don't think he was really known around the league for his toughness. Shea Alexander was also a rookie. He definitely was not known around the league for toughness. I believe he was a good defender. At least he was... I don't know his numbers, but he was touted as a good defender last year. But again, he was a rookie. He's not going to be one of your leaders. He's not going to... He may contribute to the toughness of the team, but he's not going to lead. Meanwhile, you replace... And you replace those two players with... Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, two guys really tough on the defensive end. One of the t two of the top two-way players, really good offensively, great defensively. I don't know. Again, we're comparing apples to oranges, but I think this team is maybe a little tougher than last year's team. But we will see. All right, before I get out of here, I would like to issue thank yous to those people who have supported me, uh, including the Blessed Trinity and the Holy Family, my guardian angel, ja uh, my patron saints, James the Greater and, Sa and Francis Savior, also my family, my grandmother, and my uncle, and finally, Brian Seaman, Clippers play-by-play -play man on TV, Adam Osland. Pre- and post-game host on the Clippers radio broadcast and Noah Eagle, the Clippers play-by-play -play man on radio. All right. Next podcast, Thursday. And maybe we'll break down the Philadelphia 76ers game. Perhaps we'll just talk about that upcoming Boston game. That should be a very good game, as well as this Philadelphia game tonight. We will see. But... Until Thursday, oh yes, and man, I always forget him, Michael Madden, who's really helped me with the podcast. So I want to thank those people for their support. And until Thursday, Bonsuelo.
The Catch My Eye podcast is dead, my lord. That's but a mistake. You lords and noble friends know our intent. What comfort for this intervening time shall be applied. Nevertheless, your present business is general woe. Friends of my soul, you the gourd state sustain until we meet again a few days from hence. Email catchmyeyepodcast at gmail.com. I have a journey, lords, shortly to go. My master calls me. I must not say no.